Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is TalkArt. Welcome to TalkArt. How are you today, Robert? Today, Russell, I am feeling delicious. And I'm feeling effervescent, vivacious, and iconic. Sing it. And today, we are in New York. We're in East Fifth. This is like the Lower East Side, isn't it? Alphabet City. Mildred. Is it Alphabet City? Yeah, it used to be called Alphabet City. Yeah. But the real estate people changed it to East Village. East Village. So we are in the East Village. And as we were coming here in a yellow taxi cab. Lower East Side. To the Lower East Side in the yellow taxi cab. No, in Spanish, it's Lower East Side, one word. Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We were listening to Prince uh, on YouTube, Alphabet Street, because I started singing it to myself, and I love Prince. But anyway, today's guest is an icon, and I first discovered his work through my dear friend Elizabeth Clay, the sculptor. And we were going around studios in New York with Joyce Pensato and a few other friends, and we went to loads of different... Yeah, we did Joyce's last ever interview on Talker. Yeah, in her hospice. Yeah, she called us and invited us over. We loved her so much. But anyway, we were walking around and my friend Elizabeth kept saying, how can you not know Taboo? You have to meet Taboo. And I was like, okay, I need to meet this person. Then I realized that for the whole of my life, I've known Taboo through so many different sources, including like making the cover for D-Light, the amazing album cover and uh, Lady Miss Keir, who was one of my heroes. His neighbor was even RuPaul. We have like all these kind of weird connections and it just goes on and on and on. Like people like Mark Jacobs, Stephen Mizell, Stephen Klein, like all these people. Charles Atlas. Charles Atlas. Nan Golden, um, Nan Golden uh, Jack, Jack Pearson. Pearson. So I'd kind of seen and experienced him as a human being through their work. Mm. And then I discovered his paintings, which are the most beautiful, inspiring, kind of hopeful works. Mm. And I loved the Roberta Smith description that described them as chimeric, which I thought was really interesting. We can talk about that in Who's a bit. Who's Roberta Smith? Roberta Smith is the world's leading art critic, writes for the New York Times. Correct. And is just a global icon and is also coming she on, on this claimed, season. She claimed, quote, I am the greatest living painter. Exactly. And also Ooh! and also made a, made a call, a demand to get a museum show in New York. Yep. And we also back that. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art the legendary, the icon, the one and only Taboo. exclamation point. Ooh, Taboo. Hello. Hi, darling. Hi, darling. Top of the morning to you, blokes. So we are in, your English accent is phenomenal, by the way. No, it's horrible. (laughs) It's not. We're in your apartment. Yes. My uh, pied-de-terre, if we're in Paris, or my atelier, because I have a, a studio. When I moved in here... 
44 years ago, the great thing about the Lower East Side, Alphabet City, it was all bombed out and empty. You can get huge apartments with enough room for a studio. I just wanted a studio, and I'd live in the studio. About 30 years in, I said I should separate it and have an apartment and a studio to separate, you know, uh, whatever. Anyway, someone suggested it. And it still blends back and forth. So this, it's all, when you walk in, you're immediately bombarded. Yeah. What was it about this area? Because so many artists did flock to the Lower East Side in the 80s. Why was that? Because it was abandoned. A lot of times in the world where places are abandoned, the gays, the artists, and the disenfranchised move in. It's cheap. You're left alone by, you know, for lack of a better word, the rich, white, cisgendered, white, male, supremacist, money-grubbing motherfuckers. Oh, you can't swear. You, you can, can swear. We Ooh, encourage I'm it. I'm trying to not swear. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to be vulgar. I'm trying to be sophisticated and gentle. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so you'd move in. So you could get an apartment here. I think it was $300. It was, a month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but back then, everyone was dead broke. So I couldn't even afford $300. So I had a roommate. But luckily, he had infatuation and obsession with Swedish, uh, Scandinavian sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I, when I knew him in Boston, because I knew him in Boston, and it was always ABBA, ABBA, nonstop, ABBA. Your kids know ABBA, you know, of from course. the Madonna song. Yeah. She, <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so she... I'm actually from Massachusetts, New England, not England, but New England. So being from New England, I have a lot of English things so we can identify and speak of that sense of humor, the way we talk, all of it. Anyway, but uh, so I went to an art school in Boston, which is the biggest city in New England. And after I graduated from there, they said, well, if you want to be an artist, you better learn how to wash dishes because there's no way you can ever be successful at an art as an artist and actually support yourself and live and be in museums and all that stuff. And so I succeeded, I suppose, out of spite. But hang on a minute. What happened to your housemate then? He was obsessed with ABBA? Where did luckily, yeah. luckily, the day we moved in, yeah. there was a nightclub up the street called the Pyramid Nightclub. Yes. yes. Which, before I even moved to New York, someone had said, what are you doing in Boston? There's a club in New York called the Pyramid Cocktail Lounge, and they're doing what you're doing, but it's in New York City. You need to get there. You know, like Jean-Michel Basquiat, Klaus Nomi. Uh, you need to get there. And I'm like, whoa, I love those, because I knew him from Interview Magazine. And so, and I met this friend, Pat Hearn. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Yes. Yeah, and we were like, who, who was Pat Hearn? She was a dear friend of mine. When I met her, she was a bald head, shaved-headed lesbian. But she had gone away to Paris. Fuck. Have you ever been to Paris? Of course you have. You've probably done that Eurostar. Correct. Back and forth, back and forth. A tale of two cities, as what's his name? What's his name? Charles Dickens. London and Paris. She went to Paris. Yeah. And I was like, oh, i got to go to Paris. And she comes back from Paris and says, Boston's too small. Let's go to New York City. It's even bigger than all of it. But it's actually back then. Paris, it was new wave time. Paris was big in the new wave era. And she had met this band called Rita Mitsuko. Ever hear of them? No, lost to time. Anyway. Who? Who is that? Rita again? Mitsuko. No. It sounds Japanese because Japan and Paris and New York and Boston were all very new wave and all new wave. So what did I do when I graduated from college? I became a dishwasher because <laughs> I needed money because I was basically homeless and I would just donate my blood, my plasma for the rent and, and supplement it with a dishwashing job. And I get so, I was so melancholic and dismayed that I wasn't an, I knew I was an international star and a genius, but the world had to catch up. So in the meantime, 
I would drink myself to oblivion in this in this old age home, and I'd just play my conga drum. I'd wash the dishes without the rubber gloves. I don't really, I'm not a lover. I'm not a rubber fetishist. I'm more of a feather queen, and le- lately kind of a leather queen. Anyway, I wouldn't wear the gloves, so my hands would get all moist when you spend seven hours, eight hours doing dishes without gloves, and then they would dry up. And by the time I get home, I'd stay up drunk, and I'd play the conga drums, and they'd split and bleed all over the thing. And she's like, bitch, you drink too much. You need to switch. I said, to what? She said, to New York City and heroin. <laughs> Within 24 hours, oh my God. I didn't give, a, I, I didn't give a, a, a notice to the landlords. or if, I skipped out on last month's rent. We threw everything into what I call alcoholic luggage, black garbage bags, got in a van, because she had just, in Paris, married Thierry Thierry Chevacnay. You ever hear of him? Is he has he been lost to time? Yeah. A French painter. So the four of us, because he had a brother, I forget his name, he committed suicide within a week of getting here. But we all got here, moved to, I had no idea that what the East Village was, what Alphabet City was. I'd never heard about that. I had heard of Klaus Nomi and Jean-Michel Basquiat. And I, they were telling me about the Pyramid Club. So I said, I threw caution to the wind, right? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So we ended up here. I landed here. I'm like, where the fuck are we? She's I don't know. I don't know. So... We looked in what was then, there was a newspaper that everyone would look for any kind of information called The Village Voice. Yes. You look in the back, and uh, it was only known for two things. The ads in the back and the society column called Le Dolce Musto, written by this queen, Michael Musto. Yes. Eventually, that would be my very first society pages, entering into, into the uh, in the bibliography, as you might say. I had, done, I had been on the covers of newspapers in New England, but who gives a fuck about New England? It's about New York City. Hello. So we get here. And she looked at her page. Let's get this apartment in Soho, which back then still was the Soho of the 70s. Big lofts and painting. stuff. Was it like lofts there? Loft. We moved into a loft. Right. And it was $500 a month. And there were four of us. Four wow. five. I don't know. I'm mad with that. It's $2,000. And I couldn't afford the, you know, they weren't buying my plasma in New York. I didn't know where to get that. You couldn't get a dishwashing job in New York City because it was all Mexicans, and I'm not Mexican. So it's like, what do we fucking do? She said, well, I'm getting the fuck out of here. So we skipped out on that rent, and she moved into this place over here, right behind the school on Fifth Street. So what am I supposed to do? She said, I don't care. Bye. (laughs) You're on your own. So, you know, like when you want to swim, they just push you into the deep end. So I didn't know anybody in New York City, except a mutual friend of the guy who eventually became my roommate. And he goes, I just kicked him out. He's an asshole. I said, well, then why would you want to set him up with me? Because he needs an, he needs a roommate. <laughs> because even though it was $300, who could afford that? So I called him up. He says, great, this is fine. We went right here. We went here with big, huge, sunny windows, big enough. I said, woo, let's get it. Boom. And uh, so I've been here ever since, 43 years. And the second day, Maybe even that night. What do we do? Let's go to the Pyramid Club. So we go to the Pyramid Club, and who the fuck is performing but Klaus Nomi? I was like, wow! Back then he was doing a thing called uh, uh, Mermaids on Heroin with Joey Arias. He was like the muse of Chucky Mugler. Heard of him? Mugler? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he... Well, we've got a Terry Mugler, right? Oh, Thierry Mugler. I know a different Mugler. Terry. Yeah, Terry Mugler. It's not Chucky? Oh, check. Oh, okay, right. He your was friend. sitting right here. He was here. your amazing friend. He came to my apartment right here. Really? He was photographed in People magazine. Wow. With Lady Miss Keir, Dimitri, RuPaul. I was in full drag. Wow. 
it was like an article like delight goes on not on the town with delight so Thierry Mugler me Paul, we all came and we went all around town to restaurants they followed us took pictures and when we were down in that loft for like a week in Soho the one in, in Soho, Soho on yep. Green and Prince maybe yeah it was kind of a ghost town what do we do now, Pat was a video, a lesbian shaved-headed videographer <laughs> doing punk rock things where she'd film a snake eating a rat live. Everyone would go, ah! Or they'd poison a cat and you watch it die. It was freaky oh, shit. No. It was punk. It was new wave. Scary. Video art was the art. Now I think the art is ceramics, I think. <laughs> anyway, back in the video art. She was in. And she had a Benny. She had not been to New York, but she had shown him videos at a place called The Kitchen. I don't know if that's still going, The Kitchen? I've heard of The Kitchen because... Um... Mm, it's probably come and gone. Lost her time. But we went there. It was closed. We were like, fuck. So then she said, I know another one. It's called White Columns. Yep. You ever hear of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, get this. Recently, I've been designing their T-shirts. You ever seen those? Yeah, well, Matthew runs it. We know Matthew well. He's great. I was just at Art Basel, Paris. Mm -hmm. I met the guy who runs Art Basel Paris. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he was some cute guy. I don't know if he's gay. I was like, do you have a husband? Is he a bachelor? Ooh. And he goes, oh, taboo. I'm like, oh my God, they know me in Paris. He goes, I was just wearing your White Collins t-shirt yesterday when we were setting up the, the what? Anyway, Very we went cool. to White Collins and there was a show of Barbie dolls, like Barbie, which, you know, the movie. Yep. But for a long time, Barbie wasn't anything. But in the punk rock days, Barbie represented America, which is kind of what it still did in that movie. And so the punk thing to do was to shave its head off, Xerox it, throw paint on it, do a bloody vagina, and nail it to the wall. And we were doing that in Boston. I had a band with Jack Pearson, who you mentioned, and we were called the fucking Barbies. Love that. It was a punk rock band. It was sort of a noise band. And anyway, so when we got to, new, to the White Combs, there was a show of Barbie dolls taped to the walls. It was like, Oh my God, they were right. I belong here. And there was a performance. So me and Pat were performers. We were called Wild and Wonderful. But there was nowhere to perform in Boston. But here in New York, you could perform in a, in a White Columns performance thing. And there were two people performing. Ann Craig and Jean-Michel Basquiat, then known as Samo. 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 And he was in a hula skirt, wasn't he? In a hula skirt. Yeah. You know the story? I haven't told it a million times. No, no, no. Oh, he's in a hula skirt. Yeah. She's playing the xylophone. And we go, oh, we do the same thing. She goes, yeah. She goes, I tap dance, I sing, I play the snare drum. And she plays the Magnus chord organ. Said, wow, I should book you at my club. I said, you want a club? She goes, yeah, it's the Pyramid Club. What? what, what? He goes, he's Samo. I said, Samo, you mean Jean-Michel Basquiat? Boom. Day one. Wow. I was wow. here. So the next, you know, eventually we moved here roundabout story and uh i've been here ever since i never moved why move it's what they call in new york a golden cage and is your rent the same as what you was paying for now it's a thousand dollars but oh, now wow. in this whole building they cut every like this one room would be three thousand five hundred the bedroom would be maybe two thousand five hundred the studio another four thousand dollars and the kitchen the bathroom and the hallway would be another three thousand dollars so they can't wait for me to kick the bucket so they can chop this thing up and sell it to the NYU students. Oh, got it. Anyway. Well, I want to go back. So I want to go, we get to the Pyramid Club, <laughs> but I want to go back to Boston. So you were saying that you couldn't do these performances in Boston, but you tried well, to we set did. up, you tried to set it up there. We did like things in lofts, like they were doing here. And one of the lofts was run by, not Donald Batchelor, who's the guy, 
oh, I think they paid him $50 million to go to Hauserworth, the painter. I call him, he's like the new Picasso kind of. George George Kondo. Kondo. George Kondo had a loft, and we were performing his loft. Yeah. So So, eventually, we opened a gallery right here, and George Kondo showed there, Philip Taft, me, Donald Batchelor, Jackie Chabonet, her boyfriend. It was right there. What was the gallery called? called? The Pat Hearn Art Gallery. Oh, yes. P-H-A-G, fag. Wow. She was Pat Hearn, I was a fag. Yeah. Mm. Let's talk about the Boston School then, because this is a well-known phenomenon. What is, yeah, so what is the Boston School? Well, that was coined by uh, Leah Gitano, you know her? She runs Participant. Uh, there was a museum. It was small. Now it's big in Boston called the Institute of Contemporary Art, ICA. Boston, yeah. They were doing a uh, a photo show, shall we say. I've been taking photos and making films since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. But I wasn't pushing those. I've always been pushing my paintings, my graphics, my performances. Uh, because in a weird way, I hate to say it, but I never thought photography was an art, even though I did study it in college. And I used to do the chemicals and print my own prints. You it's like, it's just pictures. Everyone has a Polaroid, a home camera. Mm. It's like nowadays, every fourth grader has a lens on their cell phone that's better than the, the lens that they film Gone with the Wind with. So everyone has a photography. So there is no more photography. So if you look at the Basel Affair, there's no photography. That's come and gone. But when it was at its peak, some of the photographers most well-known were Nan Golden, oh. Jack Pearson, Mark Morrisrow, P.O. de Corsia, blah, 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 blah. And it just so happens that I was the muse of all those photographers. So in all their things, there's pictures of me. And Jack goes, well, you're gonna, you got to put Taboo in the show. And like you, Robert, he said, who's Taboo? And they're like, you don't know Taboo. You need to put Taboo in the show. So she comes over here. It would look different, but it was still mind-blowingly incredible. And she said, you're in the show. We don't want to put, I don't know, let's put some cityscapes. Let's put some, let's put one photograph of all these photographers of you. So it was like, wow. And the ICA Boston. Yeah. And what well, year is that? 89, 91, 97. Wow. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, Everything's yeah. yesterday. When you're 64, I'm 64. When I'm 64, when I got older, losing my hair. I think I lost my hair in 1991. But it's now, what day is it? What city are we in? New York City. <laughs> it's Sunday. And we just changed the time back, so I don't know what time it and is. And also, we managed to turn up on time, even though the yes, clock's changed. I said, do they do that in England? Do they do daylight saving time? We do, yeah. And Pablo says, it's cellular. Everyone does everything. The phone says it by themselves. And I said we turned up on time because of respect. Yes. Because we have nothing I but respect. I love to be respected. Back then, <laughs> I wasn't respected because I was queer. Screamingly queer. I was never in the closet. Day one, my father's like, you want to be a woman? Dress like a woman. I don't want to be a woman. I want to have sex like a woman and have a man in my mouth. But no, I don't want to be a woman. I mean, women always like, you have to shave your head, put on a burqa, step behind you. No one wants to take you seriously. You can never be president. Blah, 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 blah. But they get the good clothes. They get the new hairdos. They are the best vocalists. It's incredible. So... I went with it and was misdiagnosed as trans or female impersonation. So I was doing that because when I came to New York, I didn't want to be a dishwasher and you couldn't really get art. But you had done drag before in New York, or had you? Because didn't you get introduced to it by Mark Morris Rowe? He did put the first wig on my head when we lived in Provincetown. I didn't need wigs. Back then, I actually had a forehead of hair and I worked my own hair into it. She works her own hair. That's a classic. That's what the trans women of today all wear the same hair. Like, if I really wanted to go back and be a trans woman, I couldn't because I'm bald. And trans women don't wear wigs. Anyway, 
I, I read that when you were a young kid, um, you you used to automatically want to dress up like it was one, like an early instinct, oh, and it's just yeah, kind of like within your soul as a showbiz, showbiz. You know, it's shown show, it's shows and business. Yeah, for a long time, I just focused on the show, but lately, I'm really getting into, getting into the business. <laughs> That's three S's, two uh, double lines on each S. Boom, ka-ching, make it rain. So, what what age did you find? drag then as a business when you were a drag artist? I never called it drag. I never called it female impersonation. Everyone puts a label on it. There's so many labels now. I was just it. I never put labels. I was never, uh, what do they call it? Drender fluid. I just was me. And everyone else I knew was me. I used to say every woman I know has a penis. Because <laughs> they did. I didn't know any cisgendered women. There were some. Some. There's always a fag hag buzzing around the fags, you know, like, woo! Like Wendy Wilde, she was incredible. She actually named me Taboo. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your name, Taboo, then. So that wasn't your birth name. No, it's Stephen <laughs> Tashjian. Stephen David Tashjian. But there's already so many Stephen David Tashjians in the world. Like, I was just buying some shoes in Paris, France, heard of it. And they said, oh, we must have you on this. I said, are you kidding? Don't you know who I am? And they said, whoa, let's look it up. But they don't... Last time I was there, they Googled me and they found out who I was. And I bought these beautiful velvet pants. And of course, I had them fitted because I was in Paris for a week. We can have them fitted. You can pick them up before you leave. But in the interim, they looked at who I was. And by mm. the time I came back, they all crawled on their knees to me. It was incredible. But this time they're like, do we have you in the system? I said, yes, uh, probably under Stephen Tashton. Oh, you live in Trenton, New Jersey? I'm like, no. Oh, <laughs> you live on 117th Street? No. I mean, <laughs> thank God I changed my name to T-A-B-B-O-O exclamation point, which is only one of, because uh, there's already a, a myriad of Stephen Tashjans, because it's hard to say, it's hard to spell. Is it an Armenian name? Because you're Armenian. Tashjan's an Armenian name. Yeah. David is like a Christian name. And Stephen is an English name spelled with the P-H. So they spell the P-H wrong. They spell the Tashjan wrong. They say it wrong. Stefan, Tashjian, it's like, not mind-numbing. So I never even wrote it for a long time. I just say taboo. So it's taboo. Taboo comes from your surname, T.A. of Tashjian, right? Yes. And then Boo was your relative. Mother's, come to find out, half-sister, Roberta, but they called her Boo. And then the exclamation mark. Well, everything in the 60s and the 70s had an exclamation mark. If you look at Latin, boom, it's the Liza Minnelli show, bing, Elvis, bing, everything had a punctuation. Unfortunately, when like Instagram came on, you can't use punctuation. So I had to switch it to Taboo NYC. Maybe punctuation will come back. There's a great line in West Side Story where they're singing and the girls finally have a song. Maybe it's cool. And they go, punctuate it. Punctuate it. So I punctuated it. Because it's not just taboo. There's a little extra something. You know, when the yeah, cameras yeah. are on, the mic's on, yeah. the little pop, pop, pop. When the cameras go, what does Beyonce say? We always go extra when the cameras go pop, 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 pop. Yeah. So we're currently sat in your living room. We're on an amazing sofa, which is covered in, in numerous uh, fabrics. Yeah. And it's literally like heaven for me, this, this apartment. Oh. And it, it feels like decades of kind of life and joy and experience yeah. and exploration and passion. And, and there's hundreds of books and loads of plants. And your own which, work everywhere. And your own work everywhere. But a lot of other yeah. people's work too. But yeah, there's lots a lot of, others. of my favorite ones that I don't want to give away. I once saw a thing called Picasso's Picasso, yeah. and he kept the best for himself. The one that he liked the best. You know, everyone has their opinion of what is, you know, art is uh, subjective. But I pick the ones that I like. So these are the best examples you think of your work? Yeah. Like this one I actually sold, and then the guy who bought it 
the ceiling caved in because it happens in New York apartments and it all got water damage. He said, want to buy it back? 500 bucks. I'm like, you know how much that goes now? Because it's 500, I need it 500 bucks. So I bought it back. I love it. And you can't really see that it's water damage. What, what year was that one? So we're looking at a bird, like a raven in like a white floral bush, like a tree. To be more specific, yeah. it's a crow that was taxidermied. Before I lived in Boston in school, I lived in Cherry Valley, Massachusetts, which was a little rural town on the end of a dead-end street, up a mountain, down the side, in the watershed of a reservoir that fed all the clear, clean water to the Worcester area, which is a big central part of uh, New England. Before we moved in, these one lesbian couple of two ladies would go around and they'd shoot and kill and taxidermy one of every animal that lived there. So when we moved in, they had moved out and just bulked it. Maybe they both died, I don't know. We just moved in, and the house was filled with one of every animal taxidermied. What? Like a Noah's Ark type thing, like an archive, or how? It was a hunting lodge? I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Did you know Versailles was originally a hunting lodge? I didn't know that. Though. I didn't know. That's a great fact. It's his hunting lodge. That's his hunting lodge? Well, Versailles was his Pierre de Terre, fucker. <laughs> So this painting was painted when? <laughs> well, all my art yeah. is diuretic. No, that's diarrhea. No, diaristic. Oh, diaristic. Diaristic. It's all about my life. Like, see, there's the actual crow. Oh, God, yeah, there's underneath it. We're going to take a picture of that then so people yes, can see what we're talking about. That, so this is the and, lesbian and taxidermid that, crow we're looking at. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the bush is called... Uh, uh, a laurel bush, some kind of laurel. I forget the name of laurel. A specific kind of laurel bush. There was a huge laurel bush, and they would do these blooms. They were real sticky, and uh, huge laurel bush. I have a picture of it somewhere. The crow was never in the laurel bush that I saw. In fact, none of the I never saw animals like that. She had a, a, an owl and a pheasant and a, a, a fox and a squirrel and a quail and a crow. Early on, when I moved to the pyramid, we would do shows and we would mock the world. Mocking, satire, everyone's so sensitive. Oh, I'm offended, I'm triggered. But back then, we'd rip into them with boat barrels. And one of the things was they foolishly made Psycho 2. Why fuck was it special? <laughs> you know, what's his name? Gus Van Zandt, who was a great guy. He was the guy who did the videos for the second Delight album. I was, in all the, I was, I was part of the Delight first album. Girlfriend is a second, but he did a complete frame by frame color repro of Psycho. Because he was like, they're doing a Psycho 2? We did Psycho 3, the musical, <laughs> and I played both of the female leads. <laughs> and I also did the set design. And you know, if you know the story, it's all the taxidermy. She's looking in the room and he's like, it's all taxidermy birds, really scary, the birds. Anyway, uh, so I brought this from my mother's house. No, you can't have it. It belongs to the house. So, you know, I'm part of the artistic criminal background. And so I <laughs> snuck it out and saved it. Luckily, we had a dog named Duncan. Because one of my early movies, we did uh, Macbeth. You're not supposed to say that out loud. The Scottish play. The Scottish play. Yes, you just call it the Scottish play. <laughs> and you're supposed to wear green. Well, anyway, fuck that shit. I don't care. <laughs> uh, we did Macbeth. And we, had a, we did a beautiful early. My friend had a Super 8 camera. And I played Macduff, I think. Well, I played Duncan. So we had a dog, and his name is Duncan. And my parents didn't really want the dog. They got it for me. But when I left to go to school, we left the dog. Anyway, he ate all the taxidermy. <gasps> ripped it up, tore it up. There was sawdust, feathers, fur everywhere. And the only thing that left was this. 
because I got it. Now, if you look closely, it's still rotting away. But it's got to be at least 60 years old, at least. So that's a really great example, though, of how this home has become almost like a generator for the work. And I feel like so much of your work comes out yeah. of this one place. Yeah. Even Have more seen, recently. Because you ever seen this one? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got it. I've got yes, it. I've got book? that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so if you look out the Matt window, Schuster it's helped all us get it. out the window. Exactly. This is my life. So this is book is called... What this is published by Karma, right? Cityscapes. Yeah. yeah. Cityscapes. Cityscapes by Taboo. You already have a copy? Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. Me too. We, we'd love some more. I mean, you I, want some more? I'm, li- I, I'm never also, have enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do an art heist this being here. Five hundred dollars special. Oh, Ooh, that one's splattered and in If I'm known for anything, it's my uh, swearing nonstop, my bad body odor, and my snow paintings. Oh, this That's has beautiful. snow paintings. I love it's that. sort of abstract. It is abstract. Yeah, it's great. But it's also a snow painting and glitter. I'm known for my glitter. Not on everything. Ah, well, then glitter I want to talk about. Okay. So glitter came into your work because you were scavenging. You used to scavenge for art materials when the this was all a wasteland. had fallen apart. So everything was falling apart. And, there, and I came upon a whole bunch of... My friend Jack came upon a whole bunch of boxes of... Jack Pearson. A whole bunch of boxes of glitter because the glitter factory had gone out of business. So he said, you need to get up there. So I went up there and grabbed all these boxes of glitter. And then I went back home and I went back and bought all these boxes of glitter. And went back and by the time I back back to, went back the third time, word was out and like pigeons over some. It was there was nothing left. But I still have some from that from that hole. You've still got oh, some of the I glitter. Still have, uh, Pablo, can you go into the? Uh, 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 Who is Pablo, by the way? Oh, Pablo Maine. He's Mr. Guggenheim. He works at the Guggenheim. You know Peggy Guggenheim? Ever heard of her? Of course. Been to Venice, been to her house? Of course. Done, yeah. Well, she called uh, in the, world. the Guggenheim who runs the Guggenheim. Wait, right there. The tool house. Remember where the... Okay. There's a box of... Underneath all those boxes, there's like 30 boxes left. There's a lot of glitter. Just bring one of them out. Be careful. Don't put glitter all over What do you do at the Guggenheim, Pablo? I'm manager of exhibition construction. I build all the glitter. Yeah. This is the time where they have <gasps> all the Notion stores in New York. Wow. What's a Notion store? Where like buttons, buttons and zip. And zippers. And you would buy, you know, with glitter. It's all the all the parts for all the clothing district and, and props and sets. And it's all it's all a, a dead art now. I read recently oh, wow. that they've they they've just banned glitter and it's now gonna be like an eco glitter. Yeah, so well, because this, of this like this is all dangerous. This is all the old stuff. Our, this could slice Beautiful, your eyes, isn't it? Slice your and glitter eyes out. and very rare. So this this started you started to mix this with paint and then you built it into I don't mix it with I dabble it, I glit I what do you call that? Sprinkle. I sprinkle the glitter in the corresponding colour, because I have every colour of the book. It was like Sherman Williams, you know what that is? Who he is? Paint major. Yeah, every color of the Sherman Williams rainbow was in glitter. I had them all. Wow. Yeah. Well, I want to talk. Let's let's get onto your paintings then and the materiality. So we're talking about the glitter yeah, no, and the put paint because you're going to accidentally kick, kick it and then it be, the, you'll yeah. never get rid of it. Or the, or the cat will climb in it. What? The cat with no name will climb in it. No, he's wow. very respectful. This is incredible. I want to get into the Pyramid Club because we've mentioned that a lot. We need to also talk about Jack Pearson. But the Pyramid Club, you used to make the backdrops. Yes. Was this the first time that you were kind of making big, oh. big paintings or big kind of works of art? Big. Um, or like painting in general. Was this the first time you sort of discovered painting? No. Strangely enough, in the art world, it's almost 100% heterosexual. Mm. When I was a kid, all the queers would be in the art department. <laughs> but in the real world, it's mainly heterosexual. 
Like, I think I'm only, the only gay guy in the whole Karma family. Luckily, Gordon Robichaux is queer-owned and operated, so there's a lot of queers, but not all, you know, not all, but... But in the in the art world, it was a very it is a very is. yes, still is. It's true. Like who's the top queen in the art world? You? <laughs> <laughs> Trying. What about uh, uh, what about Jarrett Ernest? Jarrett's you know? great, yeah, great journalist, and we interviewed him with Lucia Scavage. Yeah, and they were talking about Lucia. yeah. And J- about J- talk- Jarrett wrote a book about you. So essentially, you were painting all your life. You, yes. you started yes. painting when you were a kid, yes, and oh, and also you love drawing as well, and yes, you just love expressing this. yourself. Yes, I found a painting. It had all the birds. It had a crow. It had a uh, oh, I moved. I moved. I had a blue jay. Oh, I won my first award for blue jay on painted on black velvet. Back in the seventies, it was very. Now it's kitsch, but you'd paint on black velvet. Painting on velvet was a big thing. So, so when you started painting the backdrops in the Pyramid Club, that was just like an extension. The reason it happened was because you were already making paintings. No, I was already making posters for myself uh-huh. and for Wild and Wonderful. And we used to plaster them all with wheat paste. Then it became very illegal to plaster anything because it was permanent or spray paint graffiti when Giuliani, horrible, hopefully he's going down in jail. Mm. Ugly old man. Any horrible, inside and out. But he outlawed it. And he said, anybody caught doing it, we will beat you to death. And they did. Because I used to go go dance on the bar and drag at Pyramid. And the guy who used to be the, do the ice machine, the bar back was Michael Stewart. Now he's a legendary mythical figure in the in the graffiti world. And he was out graffitiing. He didn't listen. And they beat him to death. Madonna did a special uh, performance to try to help him and pay for his medical bills. But he died anyway. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? So paintings. You did the backdrops for your... Oh, yeah. Well, there was rock bands. Like, that was the place... The first but this place. was a way to make money? Or this was a just... Money. Money. Yeah. What is the Pyramid Club then? Let's talk about what the Pyramid Club was. Well, now it's the Knitting Factory or something. It used to be a speakeasy when things were illegal, alcohol, and you go in there. It's been many things. But at one point, it was a a beatnik poetry bar. I think David uh, Crocker used to do that. And what's her name took over? Uh, Ann Craig. She was like a beatnik poet, and she'd do a night called uh, Cafe Iguana, which I think has some... Historical reference to maybe something in England or Paris. I don't know. And she smoked closed cigarettes and would do poetry readings and read people's astrology. And then her friend, Bobby Bradley, uh, I think they went to finishing school together or something. He was friends with these queens over in the Anvil, which is a West Village. Back in the 70s and the early 80s, it was a different, there was a split. There were the gays who wore mustaches. If you had a mustache, it proved you didn't do drag. These days, a lot of the non-binary queens are walking around in dresses with mustaches and beard. But back then, if you had a mustache, it proved you couldn't possibly do drag because how did you have the mustache? So, but if you did, if you shaved your face, you probably did drag. And so, and the fact is, everyone on the east side did do drag. It wasn't some freakish thing, one-off, RuPaul did not invent it. Everybody had it. Everyone did drag. It was just part of, I have a song that goes, uh, drag to do drag or every fag I don't, it's natural for a fag yeah. to do drag it's natural I got that from Curly from the Three Stooges you know Curly anyway that's online that video of you like it's okay yeah, to be gay that, that on went Avenue viral, A and yeah, that song went viral someone's back in the days of cassette someone saw the cassette in a budget booth bucket in India for two dollars I said oh I wish you had bought it wow. sing it a bit sing a bit of it for us it's gone global Sing some of it. Oh, I don't know how this start. Give me a... When I was a boy, I had a little toy. It wasn't really much at all. It was a doll. You see, I was gay. My daddy said, why are you going to be that way? I said, why? Because, 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 because. Because it's natural. 
<laughs> As you say, I love nature and plants and all that. I love cats and people. To be gay was just natural. You know, they said, when do you stop being gay? I said, I was always gay. I never had a name for it. I don't like words. Words, words, words. You know, I just knew. I thought guys were sexy. But uh, what are we going back to? The art. Back to the art then. So oh, they would do live. Uh, like, for instance, Nirvana had their first East Coast show at the Pyramid Club. Red Hot Chili Peppers had their thing. Uh, I remember Gogo dancing for Psychic TV. All these big bands. Uh, Lydia Lunch. Uh, you name it. Everyone was there. I remember Mick Jagger was there, David Bowie was there, Robert Plant was there. They didn't perform, but they were there. Uh, Diana Vreeland, we would do these nights. And I remember we had a Diana Vreeland night, and someone, it got back to her that we had Diana Vreeland, Diana Vreeland night. We'd already taken everything down. And they said, Diana Vreeland was coming to see the Diana Vreeland night. So we put it all back up. Because <laughs> we would all get in drag as Diana Vreeland, you know, or we'd all get in drag as Stevie Nicks. Did she love it? Oh, of course she did. She loved her gaze. She, her sidekick was Andre de Lantale. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I met him at Mark Jacobs' wedding. I knelt and kissed his hand. He says, oh, get up. Oh, <laughs> I love that. He was cute. Anyway, so they needed backdrops. So I paint the backdrops on big, huge. If you do a photo session, of course you have. When they do the, uh, yeah. the white seamless. They put the white seamless up on the ground because of a big disco floor. And then we'd, I'd paint it and then we'd staple it up with glitter and everything. Staple it up. Set for a week, and then I'd rip it down and do another one. If I'd been smart enough, back then, believe it or not, we all thought, 1984, 1984, David Bowie, supposed to be the end of the world. Then around the, then remember when it was, uh, what was that thing when they turned the year 2000? Millennium. No, but they called it Y2K. It's all going to end. Then it was oh, like COVID. the millennium bug, yeah. Yeah, it's all going to end. COVID, we all run for your lives. It's always fucking, something's always dramatic. Anyway, I actually believed it was going to end. So I figured if they're going to drop a bomb, they're probably going to bomb New York City. And I want to be there first. I want a quick death, like Marie Antoinette. Like, <laughs> chop off my head quick, bitch. I don't want to suffer with tubes up my thing. And a, you know, ooh, no. So I, that's one of the other... So you got rid of them, you you scrapped them, you didn't yeah, keep these. Yeah, if I kept to do them on like uh, archival linen, yeah, I could yeah. sell those bitches for hundreds of thousands of dollars right now. Well, let's talk about you exhibiting art because you have had exhibitions every year of your life somewhere in the, the world. The first one was in junior high school and I nabbed the, belt, the belt ribbon for best thing. Yeah. <laughs> but in the last four years, your career has really gone up and Post-COVID. Up. You know why? Post-COVID, I don't know. You, Yeah, you're old enough. Some kids are just born. What's it, already four years ago? But if they're four years old, they wouldn't be having a microphone and a podcast. When COVID hit, again, it's like, okay, we're going down. Let's wipe the things clean. Also, when the computer age took over. Yeah. If you weren't digital, it never happened. So unless you quickly got some millennial or somebody to download your shit into the computers, you're erased. So all these kids got all this money to go to these people's houses and get it in. If it wasn't bought on digital, it doesn't. They don't even know what it is. They can't download it because it's not there. That doesn't mean it didn't exist. And unfortunately, AIDS killed so many fucking smart, creative AIDS. I mean, gay people that the memory of it and the, the history of it and the stories of it are lost to time. But I'm still here to tell you a lot of shit happened before COVID. Hello. Mm. And one of the things was. Everything was run by cisgendered white heterosexual men with money. And now, when COVID came, it's like, bitch, Black Lives Matter, 
Black trans lives matter. All trans lives matter. The gays matter. The women matter. You know, anybody matters. Everybody matters now. So everybody gets a seat at the table. And it's like, what? So all the white people get scared and they vote in Trump. Oh, we need the white people back. We it's our world. Bitch, it was never your world. Maybe you got a, maybe you got a hold of the Chinese gunpowder and killed everybody. But while before you had the gunpowder, there was whole continents like Africa and Asia and Eurasia and North America and South America that had nothing to do with you. So now we're allowed in. We're not only allowed in. They are running to catch you. Where's, we need a gay. We need a gay. Where's a queer? Where's a gay queer? Where's a gay immigrant queer? Where's a gay black immigrant queer? Where's a transgender black queer? You know, woo! And then you get on the cover of the magazine. Never mind. I'm getting too political. Okay, so... So, how, okay, then. We'll, we'll talk about so that. Suddenly, how, I was allowed in. But how do you, how do you then, feel about that now, then? Because it feels like... Oh, I love it. You love it. You gotta it. take whatever you can get. And now I'm allowed in. I've always been allowed. I've never not had shows. I'd say every six months... Uh, my paintings have been on a wall of a gallery or a museum yes. somewhere. How do you feel about success now then with the well, paintings? Well, what is and... success to you? The painting came out good. Your friends love it. The world loves it. The critics love it. Your bank account is big. I say all of the above. A lot of people stop at the bank account. Oh, you're selling out. Fuck that shit. I learned from my elders, like Peter Hugeon. No, I won't go to the opening. No, you can't buy my painting, my photograph. No, I'm not going to sell out. I'm downtown. To the bone. Act locally. Think globally. Huh? <gasps> I, I didn't come up with that. Who came up with that? Don't I really like that. Act locally. Think globally. So I'm right here. I've been right here. And I've been sending it out to the world. Sometimes... You hit pay dirt like it's natural. And you get on the videos, MTV. Okay, I was just flying from Paris to Los Angeles, mm. flying over, and JetBlue has to include an LGBTQ, FGWXYZ uh, film choice. If they didn't, they'd be called homophobic, transphobic. So one of the choices, they only know three. They know uh, Tu Wong Fu, uh, Wigstock the movie, or... Uh, which you're in, yeah. Paris is Burning. Which I was in, by the way, but I was chopped out. Did you know that? I did the credits, the animated credits. Boom. Yeah, with delight, did, it was voguing. It was voguing and then it before became, Madonna wrote Vogue. Then it became the font that we know now as Paris It had Paris always been burned. font. But you did the, your cursive... Yeah. It had always been that. Wow. Well the, well, the font is a big thing that people recognize you for because you know, of the so Delight fun. album. Yeah. It's become when this curly... I was I'm still talking like it much as I do. Yeah. And they say, shut the fuck up. Or when it was in French class, they say, ferme la bouche. Ferme la bouche. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, shut the your fuck mouth. up. Shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> shut your mouth. And you know what they would do? They would punish me. They would make me stay after school and write my name on every blackboard a thousand times. And when you're done, you can go home. So that's where my font and my, my calligraphic line began as a punishment. <gasps> Little did they know, I'd, again, spite. I don't show those motherfuckers. And a lot of times people say, oh, you should copyright that and have it in a, back then there was something called, uh, what was it called? Uh, what was it called? Letra set. Letra set, you're too young to know what letra set was. Anyway, you, should, you, could, you could make a million. I, I, that was early before I said, I don't want to make a million. I want them to come to me and I will individually do it. Because a lot of people try to copy me. Like, don't try to compete with me. There's only me. I'm unique, says Beyonce. And I agree. I'm unique. So they have to come to me. And a lot of times they have come to me. Like when Andy Warhol died, they said, oh, we were just going to release a book. And now he died. And we can't have his, 
his uh, calligraphy on it. And they said, that was his mother's. I said, no, that was him. He did it. But can you do it like him? I said, mm, it's Warhol. He gave me a lot. I'll give it back. So I did it a million times. Eventually, they keep sending it back. No, more Warhol. Eventually, people don't even know. And it won a book award. Yeah. But did you know Warhol then? Oh, yeah. Boring. I mean, as what he did for art, but in real life, he was a boring queen. Shut yeah. down. I met him with John Sex, who was one of my oh, mentors. One I of my love mentors. John Sex. Wow. You know John Sex? I, I, yeah, I love John Sex. Did you ever meet him? No, no, no. Of course, no, oh, no, no. I never met Johnny, him, but I just love the story. Johnny. His hair. I loved and... him. I'd wake up and walk over his house. He lived right across from Theater 80 and smoked pot every day with his lover Willie, and he had a huge snake named Delilah, a forty-foot boa constrictor. I first met her when I went over. Maybe the first time. Uh, we get the munchies after you smoke pot, and then he went to the bathroom to shit. And he goes, Oh, by the way, Delilah's in here. I'm like, What's Delilah? He goes, Look at your feet. I looked down, I was like, ah! There was a 40 foot boa constrictor. <laughs> but she was very friendly. She, he used to put it in the act. It would be like, a, You know, he'd do it, and it would come down and be like a penis in his mouth. It was like, Maplethorpe did photographs of him with, uh, or was did it, he? was it Hoosier? Did John Sex with his snake? Or a snake? I, don't know. I think it's Maplethorpe. It could be. There's so many photographers. I was really interested in this idea of illusion and um, and myths and the way that um, I mentioned in the intro, Roberta Smith had used that word chimeric, which I didn't really chimeric? know. Chimeric? Yeah, I'd never really heard of that I word before. That. It you means know, it means kind of like a hopeful version of something, a kind of illusion of what something is. So it's a real place, hopeful. but it's like a place that's somehow then imagined, I think. Yeah. So a bit like when you're looking out your window here. Place exactly. The gay anthem. A time or place for us. Or how about this one? There must be a place, I don't know, beyond the moon, beyond the rain, somewhere. Don't make me cry. Okay, go. But when you first got to New York and you, you sort of saw it as this like Emerald City or yeah, like... Yeah, well, I used to say, my father used to say, or oh, somebody, some homophobic, dark, deep voice would say, they ought to put all you faggots on an island. They did. It was called Manhattan. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But when you look out your window and you I've heard you actually have to like poke your head out in order to get certain angles because this apartment has views of all kind of parts of yeah, New York yeah, yeah. and you Every can basically angle, see the whole yeah the whole city from here but but when you're making those paintings of cityscapes they're very romantic they're kind of like they're almost like dreamscapes but they are obviously the real New York but where do you think that comes from that kind of idea of hope within the work because I, I feel like that's something that's like a constant with you you seem to have this like irrepressible Hope or positivity. Don't make me cry. I don't want, we're not being filmed, are we? 
Okay, wait. Okay. Someone said, why don't you have a lover? You should hire a hooker. I said, I don't want to hire a hooker. Well, you're too old. No one wants to have sex with a bald-headed AIDS faggot who's 64. Buy one. I like all my friends. And I said, oh, no. I want them to love them for me. I want them to love them for me, not my bank account. Or oh, I thought I can maybe get him a show at Gordon Rubber Show or something, or Karma. They're like, no. He says, you're a hopeless romantic. And I said, no, I'm a hopeful romantic. So it's funny you would ask that. But I think it's true. It's the, it's the one thing that stri- strikes me about the work. Every time I've looked at your paintings, I, I, I feel hope. And I also feel a joy. But I, yeah, and I was, and I was, I was curious by that. Like, I don't know whether that's just something that you've always had within you as a way to, like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of um, forces around all of us, whether, you know, being gay, whatever, when you feel different, somehow you create this armor or this thing. But I feel like with you, there's a softness to it. There's like a kind of a love within it, which is well, rare. What do they say you can... You can catch more bees with honey than vinegar. Mm. I think my mother told me that one. I don't know. Yeah, I was this collector, PJ, Korean. He buys lots of my work. He goes, oh, I used to live in New York City, and yours gives me the emotion of New York City. Mm. And now I live in L.A., and I bought your, your painting of the uh, the pool at the Chateau Maman, and that gives me the emotion of L.A. I'm like, oh, you really got it. Like my very first show in New York City, I had this place called Lucky, Lucky Strike. It was a small little sliver of a smaller, maybe the size of this room. And it was a little nightclub run by myself, my friend Martin Burgoyne. And he worked as a pyramid as a bartender. He goes, oh, I love your work. I love you. I loved him. He was so fucking sexy. Uh, I have a nightclub. And back then, you would have art shows and nightclubs. It was part of the gig. Now they do nightclub. They do art shows in furniture stores. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Anyway, so, yeah. So I had my first art show there, and it was all my early pyramid. I mean, not pyramid. It was this when it looked like a bombed-out pre-war. All, again, on big pieces of found paper before anything I thought I was going to be a museum and they needed archival. But they did buy one of those, and they put it in an archival frame at the Whitney. Now, I don't know if they're going to show it, because if you buy send it, sell it to a museum, it sits in the basement forever until you're dead. But supposedly... It's going to be up there before I die. Anyway, uh, because he would be the watch and so when he was now my manager for the art show, he had his friend bartend. Now, she had a new record coming out, and it hadn't hit yet, and she wanted to pretend, well, she was urban, but she wasn't black or Puerto Rican, so they didn't put a picture of it on it. Instead, he did the illustration for it. Borderline. No. No. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody, come yeah. Come on, dance and sing. Yeah, yeah. Every, it hadn't hit yet. It wasn't even released. Everybody. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, she's back on tour. She's but she also just had Marty's photo uh, up on her tour. That's what I heard. Yeah. First I was like, she can't dance, she can't sing. I hate her. She was nasty to me when I met her, and I'll be nasty to her the day she dies. And then I saw this tour, and she sings, I have to tell a thousand lies. I've learned my lesson well. I thought to, to, they all died of AIDS, but I will tell. There are lessons I have learned. Some kind of shit. I've li- She's lived to tell. And then she puts all these pictures of all her dead friends. She didn't know Freddie Mercury or, or Rock Hudson. You know, you need a bold name. But she did put Martin Burgoyne. She did, yeah. You saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, Well, it was and from Keith. the Instagram, the AIDS. Um, what's that Instagram called? Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. She had her assistant. Just go throughout the Instagram. And funny, she would say, oh, that's Martin. He was my best friend. He was my backup dancer. He designed my first album. I'd be, I, now she would not remember, but maybe she would now that I'm maybe bigger than her. Ouch. Uh, oh, I was a bartender at Taboo's first New York City show. 
iconic. Can we talk about your studio practice then as an artist? Now, studio what? Your studio practice. Like, what certain hours of the day do you make art? I've, I've read that you can't make, you can't paint with people around you. You have to be by yourself. Yeah. What is the rule? Because it's sort of meditation, like you were saying, the hopeful meditation. Like, oh, it comes out like that. And I'm very messy, too. I'll get paint all over you. Usually I have to take a shower in between. So I get all the paint off shit. Yeah. But what 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 time of the day do you normally work? Or do you set yourself like I do nine to five? I don't work at weekends. What are your rules? First of all, there are no rules. I remember my first essay. Write an essay. Now my first one, freedom. I want to be free to do what I want, when I want, whoever I want, how I want. They're like, really? You have a lot to learn. Well, and someone said, aren't you lucky? You finally get your dream. So I do. So my cat now wakes me up. I usually wake up at the dawn when the sun comes up, but it changes. Now my cat wants to be fed at five o'clock, but he wakes me up at 4.45, which is actually 15 minutes before five o'clock, motherfucker. But he's very gentle and he'll just go, I'm like, all right, I'll get up. So a lot of my paintings, uh, sunrises, that's what Nate, Mother Nature really paints a picture with the pinks and the yellows and the orange. There's a thing like red skies at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Oh, we have it as shepherds. Red sky at night, shepherds delight. Red sky in the morning, shepherds warning. And would you paint throughout the day or do you sort of... No, usually by the day I'm off and about. And do you make work leading up to a show in mind now or do you just make work for yourself every day and then you suddenly build a show from Not it? Sometimes every day, depending. Like I said, it's diaristic. Yeah. It's diaristic. So if something happens that kicks in my spirituality, boom. Like for example, give us an example then of something okay. that's gone. My dear, dear friend, have uh, you ever been to Provincetown, Massachusetts? Yes. yes. It's all cute gays. You probably been there. You, were, you probably were mobbed on the street <laughs> running in your little uh, speedos. Right? Yeah. Oh my God, look at this. How can I blow him first? Take a ticket and stand in line, boys. Anyway. It's very, it's very true. Yeah, yeah, of course. That was exactly what. It was but like. I would be left alone. They're like, "Who's that old queen?" And they would just keep walking by. So I would be like, ah. "So I go into the pizza. You know the pizza place yep. at night. Oh, you sit in the pizza." So my friend, Bodike lesbian Sharon Nisp, she during the day she'd be there during the day making all the pizzas for other people, and she would cuddle me in, and we'd sit there and read everyone to shit. We had really dark sense of humor. We giggles and we garrigan. And she was also my savior there, and she would take me around and she would every day. Anyway. Last week, the week before, she finally died. And I was like, ah! Sharon Neese. Do you ever see uh, 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 John Waters movies? Yes. Do you oh, ever yeah. see Desperate Living? Yes. His lesbian movie? Remember uh, uh, the girl who gets her, her cock cut off? She, no, they cut the cock off. It's a, it's a hot dog and they throw it and the dog picks it up. And yeah, 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 yeah. She's yes. the lesbian lover of her. Wow. Sharon Neese. You ever see Polyester? When they take the daughter... My daughter's going crazy. She was like fucking stibators. You know the daughter, Divine's daughter. So she sends him away to the to a nunnery. Where Sharon Sharon Neese plays the mother superior. Where they grab their daughter, put her in the car, and drive off. She was also in. Uh, so she was one of the B act, B act of John Waters B actors yeah, like Cookie Moolah, for example. She was and... in the uh, the remake of uh, what's that movie with uh, going in the desert? They're going in the woods and it's scary. You never really see anything. You just see the woods. She was in that one as a reporter. She's very beautiful, beautiful. Anyway, she had a long, long, painful des descent into death. But she finally kicked the bucket two weeks ago. And I'm sorry, that's She sad. was old. Oh, she was 80. 
I fell over to 64. She was 80. You know when they're 80? President Biden's 80. He can barely walk. Anyway, or talk or think. Anyway, we used to call her Sergeant Granny because she was tough. Sergeant Granny. So when she died, I said, oh, my God, I have to do a Sergeant Granny. So what triggered me? Another escape is one of my great escapes is music. When I was a kid, the biggest boy band was the Beatles. So I love the Beatles. I have every Beatle, everything. I don't like the new releases now and then, but I haven't really listened to it that much. But I have every single Beatle, everything. I was showing you, Brian, I have every 45, every, these are the picture sleeves, I have everything, everything. I have lunch boxes, posters, everything. Are you an Anglophile? Yes. Well, my mother, coming from New England, was an Anglophile. And coming from the 60s and 70s, everyone, every band was from England, mm. every movie star was from England, they were dressed like England, the British invasion, it was huge. You know what I mean? Now I'm more of a Frenchophile. Francophile? Whatever it is. Yeah. I'm trying to learn French. But both. I'm a tale of two cities. But also you've become super like sartorially kind of sharp in a in a kind of different way to the kind of drag era. It's now this kind of like dandy almost or something like when i met you the oh, other yeah, night really, when i met yeah. you the other night um we were at karma at Anne craven's opening yeah. and you had that incredible bottega veneta green jumper on and just the the and detail of jacket. it yeah, oh, no, I mean, jacket, a whole, that was a gucci a whole look oh, sorry but underneath that with bottega veneta yeah, yeah but what i noticed is the attention to detail like the oh, the stitching god is in the detail yeah but you've but you're sort of living that out now as a way oh yes and i can live it out better as a gay man than as a trans woman because it's more truly me. Mm. Like, for instance, let's look at this painting, shall we? Yeah. Okay. She so got... to descri describe what we're looking at. Okay. We're going to take a photo. As an Anglophile, one of the greatest British artists from the 60s was a pop artist who was the biggest. Do you know who the biggest pop artist of British in the 60s Peter was? Blake. Pauline Boaty. Boom. Peter Blake. Blake. Pauline Boaty. I loved her. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Talk. She was totally ignored because she yeah. was a woman. But yeah, I yeah, loved her. But not everybody. For instance, <laughs> Jan, not Jan Werner. She also died young. Not Jan Werner, but Jan, whatever. She was a woman, and what she did blew my mind. But her husband got all the credit. You probably know it. It's considered the greatest piece of pop art, crossover, everything music, art. Politics, everything. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts. Boom. Yeah. You know this? Yes. All this is the woman, his yeah, wife, yeah. John. I'm not sure where he, he didn't even take the picture. Uh, Peter Cooper or somebody Cooper took the picture. But he was the man and he organized it all. So I, when I thought Sergeant Granny, I thought Sergeant Pepper. So this is my version of Sergeant Pepper. Oh, wow. See? Oh, yeah. Right. Instead okay. of writing Sergeant Granny, I just put Sergeant. With the S, because that's my font, they would get the spiral. And like instead of George in the red suit, I put the devil. Mm. And instead of Deanna Dawes, who nobody knows in America, but in England, she was the British Jane Mansfield. And instead of her, I put Natasha Badenoff. Badenoff is a joke. She's a she's a Russian spy, cartoon in America on the Boeing Show Badenoff. Oh, so the her. sergeant is there because the sergeant Pepper's and like that's the book. That's the drama. Wow. And this is see the back is all blue. That's yeah. the color blue. And all the people up there. So when you make this, all six stitches except him. That's Terry from a gym, and he has a real afro. And again, if you notice, it's a matching green, blue green glitter. So when you made this painting, did you make this painting to sell and then you finished it and went, I need this for myself? Well, as my friend Jack says, you can always make something and sell it. If you really get some good money and they want to buy it, sell it. You're going to be dead anyway. It's going to be sold anyway. Why not make the money now and travel the globe? Buy new Gucci. I don't know. <laughs> Pay for the cat food. I don't know. How do you feel about collectors? I love it. 
You're living with your work. You're happy to let works go. Oh, my God. Someone just told me, and I'm not sure who it was, we were just in Dallas at the number one woman collector. It's a mansion and it's a thing. Cy Twombly is next to Jasper Johns, next to Andy Warhol. And there's a room with your painting in Cecily Brown. Is that her name? Yeah. I said, really? Oh, one of your early snow paintings. And of course, I immediately go with, if I'm known for anything, it's my snow paintings. And so she nabbed one before it really went through the roof. But she hasn't yet. And I don't know Cecily Brown, but she's British. Yes, she's British. I'll go into her event. Eventually, I'll run into She's got a show at the moment at the Met. It's still up. It's really brilliant. Okay, I got to go. I went in September and I was actually blown away by it. In Dallas, where this millionaire collector is, where my painting is, I'm going to be in a show in March, April, curated by Alison Gingerish. You know who that is? Well, she, it's a cartoonish theme in American art. So I said, ooh, we're going to use all my older stuff. I said, how about something new? And then she died, so I, boof, I did this. I said, I'll do all my favorite cartoon heroes from when I was a kid, like Mighty Mouse. I don't know if that went to England. Yes. Oh, my God. He was a little gay Mouse. muscle guy, I love opera Mighty singing. Mouse. Oh, here I come to save the And then, of course, Snoopy, Snoop. yeah, who I played him in the high school play of your heart. And then Casper, the friendly ghost, and Gumby, and, and of course, Goofy. And this is actually, oh, they just did a documentary of her. She was in uh, Fellini's movie, the first big black supermodel. Uh, anyway, I forget her name. And this is, I said, I have to ask my friend, are there any new gay, gay characters and he goes, in anime? Because, well, there's more of a bromance. And it's Gus and Griffin. Ever hear of them? No. No. This is them. I painted him more as a lesbian couple. And he's holding his head real close. He looks like Liza Minnelli, but that's Gus. <laughs> and that's Griffiths. Griffiths is a Griffiths. You know, Griffin like a half line. And that's him. He's holding his head and he goes, only this. You are now mine. I'm about to kiss him on the lips. Because I collect instruments. See, I have a, a oh, yeah. I've read a New York Times profile on you and it mentioned the tarnished uh, tuba or something behind really? you. Really? Where did that come from, the t- tuba? Uh, Sam Ash. Because not only did all the little knickknack shops close, all the music stores close, everything. It's if it's not a corporate entity, we're not a business. Mm. So I was like, damn it, I gotta get all these things quick. So I went up to Sam Ash and I said, Oh, I need a tuba. I mean that's... And then I lied to my teacher. I said, Oh, I have I have a niece who's in the school band and she's playing the tuba, but she can't afford a tuba. And as her gay uncle, as her gunkle, I thought I'd surprise her and get her a, a tuba, but I can't really afford $4,000. Can you drop a zero and give it to me for 400? He goes, well, we're probably going to be out of business by next month anyway, so sure, take it. And this saxophone I got from Sharon Nisp. Oh, really? Oh. She says, I need money, I'm dying. I said, I'll just take it from your apartment when you're dead. She goes, no, I need $100 now. So I gave her $100, she gave me this Saxophone. I already have one over there. This beautiful, brand new, mm. shiny. You essentially have a whole orchestra in here. Oh, they're all hidden away. <laughs> I have a whole drum set. You name an instrument. So the other I thing have. I want to talk about is when Elizabeth Clay told me about you, the exhibition you did with her, you did like a joint exhibition, have yeah. murals, yeah. and you love painting on walls. Yeah. And in this very room, you have all these kind of murals here. And like it sort of key. feels like... The exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't it feels... know if you know in the hallway, there's a Greek key. So where, where did that come from, oh, that idea the of like... The, the floor, it's diaristic, yes. So that's where you got it from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the the building. You know, Pastum? Postum. It's the largest standing Roman, no, Greek antiquities building standing, but it's in Italy. Pastum. You've heard of it? No, no, no. It's too huge. They look like the Colosseum. And inside, it's painted like this. So it's the exact same color, except same thing all around. And the paintings are like, it's of course it's Greek, so it's like naked muscle men fucking each other. Woo! But when did you want to get that urge to paint on walls, like murals? Because you've done it quite a lot. And well, because like... I don't like just living in a white, sterile environment. 
I you... keep one wall there usually empty. So when the collectors and the galleries come in, they can see it the way they might picture it in the gallery or something. But other than that, almost every second is covered. When I grew up, every second of every space in my bedroom is covered with pictures of the Beatles. So would you ever call yourself a minimalist? <laughs> no, what do they call that in the turn of the century? Baroque? No, what do they call that? The Gilded Age? Yeah. A maximalist? I maximalist. don't know. What's that term, you know? You see them, they have the brocade curtains in front of the chandelier, mm. in front of a velvet couch, in front of a... What is that? You know, what's that era? Do we know? Iconic. Um, <laughs> can, I, can, I be, can I be crass and ask, <laughs> oh, about, yes. ask about money? How yes. the pricings for your paintings is very high, obviously meant to be but how is that it's nowhere in the, in the real world it's not really high but it's priced at all my friends how does that feel for you i mean just getting your head around that like going from someone that sort of not had a lot of money for many Food years stamps. to suddenly having your painting sell for so much money and now you're going around the world and buying gucci suits and really enjoying yourself how do you i pay my taxes <laughs> but how do you what does that feel like in like... full the day they do same. But how, what does that feel like, that sort of transition that's happened so quickly for you? I've been up and down and over and out so many times. Like, for instance, when I was 14, I had my face on the cover of uh, the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. On the cover! With my puppets, my little soft sculpture puppets, Punch and Judy. Classic. It's basically spousal abuse as a joke. Punch and Judy. He beat the shit out of her. It was funny. Hysterical. And I do it for children. And I would make money. $4,000 for like a birthday party or a bar mitzvah. $4,000 in 1973 is wow. a lot of fucking money. Wow. And a lot of money. So it was great. But when that shit hit the stands, I'd go to school and they'd say, faggot. They beat the shit out of me. So it was like, whoop, boom. It's like, fuck, you lay low, you lay low, you lay low. How, did, how did the puppetry come into your life? Because I've, I've seen a portrait well, you of you with, where you're surrounded by all your puppets. You see them? That's in here. Want to walk into the next room? Oh, my God, yeah. Can we move? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Slowly walk. You'd have to carry the cable, Ross. Yep. I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay. Yeah, because I saw a portrait of you in, I think... Hey, in... can you take those things off the bench so they can sit down? Oh, they're there. Oh, my God, I didn't even see them when we walked in. Yeah, I saw the portrait of this. So how how did you? Where did the interest of puppetry come in? Because you, you became a real master well, of it. Well, back really in the day, age. when I was a child, in the late fifties, early sixties, puppetry was one of the major entertainment things. Yeah. Like for instance, when they had the WPA, that was in America during Franklin Roosevelt, when the country went socialist, they gave money to people to build bridges, architects. They gave money to all kinds of people. But they also one of the categories was puppetry. And I actually have some WPA puppets, like uh, like that's a Thomas Edison. See mm. him? Oh yeah. They would. He electricity or something? No. You call these your strays, don't you? Well, like a stray. Oh, cat, you mean like, like rescue people? Yes. Like mother of the house of taboo. Yes. Come in, child. I'll yes. take you and comfort you. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So we're all beat up and damaged, but they're safe and sound here. Yeah. Like this little baby over here, his mother was put in an old age home, and he was going to put him to sleep, and I said, I'll take him. The cat. Yeah, he's got some good years left. Yeah. And he's still very life with love. Oh. And they come from all races and all ages. And did you do Beautiful. ventriloquism as well? No, that's a different thing. That's different when you thing. change yeah, your yeah. voice. Right, right. I've never done voiceovers. Okay. See, there's an, I do collect some taxidermy. Look, a skunk. See it? Did we look? Oh, yeah. We're looking at Keith Haring as well there. Did you know Keith? Oh, yes, I did. did I did his portrait. No way. Yeah. Want to go in and get the portrait? And, wait, hold on one. 
Oh, you keep talking. You talk to yourself. Oh, isn't he incredible? Oh, Taboo's great. I'll be right back. <laughs> so Taboo is really great, Ross. Um, so we're looking at Keith Herring drawing. That looks like a yeah, unique that's, drawing. I think that's, no, that's an etching, that one. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's I'm beautiful. pretty sure that is. And um, it's got the baby figure in it. It's from 1982. Um, and it's got angels as well flying. Oh, wow. Whoa. Oh, whoa. So you, that was in, in person you did that? Yeah. He sat for you Sorry, in this apartment. No, he sat for me at the Pyramid Club. We used to do theme nights. And this was Coney Island. So they used to do people who sit outside and paint portraits. Like if you go by the Met when you went to Cecily Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People painting portraits. Cartoonists. Type yeah, thing. sort of cartoonists. Mm. So I would do characters to cartoonists. It's kind of cartoony, but I don't know if you know what he actually looked like. I know you recognize his style. His yeah, font, no, no, no. But that's that what like he totally. really looked like. Yeah. Bald head. Uh, yeah. And I can see he's what wearing What year was our, that? Uh, I'm guessing 82, 83. Okay, so... Uh, does it say? No, you've not dated. Let's see, that's when I was Stephen Tashton. So I'm guessing 82, which is when this was. 82. I went to see his studio a few days ago with Gil Vasquez. Oh. And um, I got still really... still there? Yeah, it's still there. And it's I got like, really like, emotional on Broadway. Was it all in... Uh, they kept it there. They closed the door and kept it as it is. Yeah, yes. yeah. No, no, they have, they have, they, they, they've adapted it slightly. So, and it has, it has offices and stuff in there. But it's got all the paint marks, all the paint on the floor. Mm. It's got the original elevator and and the um, on Broadway. Yeah, on Broadway, yeah. and all oh, yeah, the paintings, the hallway, the hallway the, with the hallway snake, left, the snake painting. The they've left yeah. it all as it was. Even mm. when you walk in the entrance hall, mm. there's a huge mural by him, yeah. and it's still got the hit factory there, the, the recording studio, and a dance studio. Yep. And yep. yeah, yep. it was pretty intense, and I got really emotional, and I almost started Why crying. Oh my. I know. I, well, it's sort of You're no, not being I, in public. You want to keep I, those exactly, down. exactly. You know. Yeah, I have that. I, then I have another one, eighty-three, which is red. I'll take that. You've probably seen it. But anyway, he would do shows at the Fun Gallery. There was the Pat Hearn Gallery, the Fun Gallery, and Gracie Mansion. Those were the three. And then, of course, it caught on. And then there were 70 galleries on every single block, on everything. But anyway, and he would give away free posters, like a big stack of free posters, which is what I love about Karma and Golden Rubber Show. They give away free posters. Because when I was a kid, my art was posters. Every album, they said music, had a poster. If it was really good, you got a free poster. Yeah, pull out poster. You hang it yeah. on the wall. Because yeah. everyone can't afford 50 grand or whatever yeah, it yeah, might yeah. be. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> but then we get a poster, so I get free posters. Behind here are some posters. Like, here's one of my ones. They're all posters. That's one, a poster for when I had my books released. Posters, oh, I love yeah. posters, yeah. So what's come, before we get to our final questions, what is coming up for you next? What can people see? Where can they see Dallas, I believe. No, no, no. The Miami Free Basel. Yeah. In Miami, at the Karma booth, I believe I have three paintings. One of the Hollywood sign. Yeah. One of Sunset, California Sunset, and one of swans. Because when I was living in Fire Island, we lived right by these swans, and all these swans would come up and drink out of the fresh water. Mm. We'd sit and they'd go, and swans mate for life. So if you see one swan, it's really sad. That's, That's the romantic. Right. Um, Again, the, romantic. The romantic yeah. In you. yeah. It's the rain. I did. It would rain one day when I was there. Uh -huh. I'm loving this idea of nighttime as well. Like these. Oh, these are all my nighttime paintings. Yeah. I put them all up nighttime. And you paint them at night time? Mm -hmm. I forget. I think this is the day I got off the plane from Paris. That's the scene. And David told me how you say uh, Paris at night. Something Paris Noir or something. I can't remember. <laughs> That's the walk. I know it could be the morning too, I'd but no, that was at night because I would wake up again at four and walk down to the Seine in the morning before the sun would rise when the garbage trucks would come in. The other thing, I, you know, we're talking about night times then, so the There's painting... There's an Angolden. I know, I saw that. So you're on the cover of an Angolden book as well. Yeah, but this is the most famous picture, but 
There were three of us in the back seat. The oh. most famous is from Jimmy Paulette. This one. They chopped me out. They only left my <sighs> shoulder. And, and your back's in another one, and then you're reflected in the mirror in another yeah, photograph. Yeah, yeah, But she did tons of them, yeah. Wow. That's the one that got edited out. But I found, I found all these other ones. This is my friend, Mr. Leonard, when I was young and cute. Are you yes. still in touch with them, Nan? I saw her at, at, uh, I saw her at Jack Pearson's opening. Hmm. Um, That's me as Barbara Streisand. By oh look, here's a Mark Morris. Or, I thought that was quite Jack. Klaus Naomi. That one actually. Oh wow! With wow. a Mark Morris or Polaroid. Wow. Before we go on the last question, so the painting oh, next door was of a moon, and I was I'm really into your paintings of suns, Ooh. and I and I read a really beautiful quote from Josiah Howard, Ooh. who's an author of Shares and Donna Summer's books. Yeah, a really great author. And and they said of all of Stephen's work, and there is tons of it, decades of creativity, much of it which is represented in, in the book that you'd made recently. My favourite are his sons. There is something magical about them. Their eyes shine, their beams glisten, their faces enchant. And that's what I think that Stephen and his sons, all of his art really, provide to others. Light, hope and unbridled, uncontainable joy. And when did you start painting sons? Look, he wrote this. He, yes, I, in that I, book, exactly. He wrote the back saying on the yeah, back of it's it. It's 2013, that book, I think. Um, it's a really wonderful book. It's called Taboo. It's just your name, just, just Taboo. Yeah, I'll say this about Damiani. Damiani. Uh, he wrote this. It. I'll say this about Taboo. To know him, to have been granted the privilege of being around him, is to bask in his effervescence, to feel more alive than you would have otherwise. My introduction to Stephen came. Oh, that's enough. <laughs> well, it's very, very true. It, 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 this has been an absolute privilege but to what? sit with you and to bask in your brilliance. When, uh-huh. when did you start painting Sons, though? Because I love that series. The sun will come up. It's always coming up. I don't know. Every what day. my first sun painting? That'll be interesting. Oh, oh, oh. Hold this one second. <laughs> Taboo's it, it, amazing. Taboo's incredible. I, this is Taboo's, just living the dream I mean, with is, Taboo. He's amazing. Um, did Sade write a song about you? Sweetest Taboo. Oh, no, that's what's her name. <laughs> Sade. Yeah. Yeah, she used to come in during happy hour. But did she write that about you, do you think? That's I think what she, Joey said. I think she did. Well, Joey... And I and Robert, we used to do the decor at the pyramid. And we'd do it when we woke up in the morning, which or come to for my hangovers, around 10 a.m. The, 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 the janitor would let us in. What's his name? He was old, black. One day, he didn't let us in. And we looked in the window, and he was dead. Mm. Woo! But we went in and worked anyway. <laughs> and oh I'd paint the backdrops, and we'd do the mannequins and the paper mache. And we keep working all the way through happy hour, which is usually four to five, five, four to six. Whatever it was, happy hour. You know, you get the drinks two for one. And she would come in there and write. There was a table. She'd be writing. I didn't know she was Sade. I didn't know she was writing a song. And he said, oh, About you? About you? <laughs> I don't know. Did she? It's a good, makes a good story. I think it would be great if she did. Anyway, on the many things when I would just find, you just paint on them. Like I painted on shelves, I painted on this. Look at this. When I was young, we redid in the 70s. We all became, I used to live and sleep in the bedroom with my brother. But we got old enough to have our own rooms, but we didn't have any. So my father built. A second floor. We, he wasn't a carpenter. It all leaked. There were mice. It was a mess. But then we put drop ceilings. And so I painted on a drop ceiling. And this is from my must have been, I don't know, 15. And of course, it's, it says because, which is actually a Beatles lyric, because, which was a great version done by Elliot Smith, who killed himself. Yeah. He was great. And then look on the bottom is a sunrise over the mountains. Orange, my favorite color. 
What are you going to ask me? What's my favorite color? We get to that. Oh, yeah, right. not wait, yet, wait. Not so yet. that, so uh, that, that is the first sunset then. The, the first sun painting that I can find. Yeah, love this. It's basically falling apart because it's. Well, but I want and to your see font, my show. And your text on that is is going to. I'm even your... doing text. Yeah. So not only it's do I text, it's got the I got lipstick, an answer the drag. My... I got an I mean, answer. I got a full lipstick. It's got the sunset. It's got the orange. Boom! I came out fully formed. What year is this? Nineteen. 19... Nineteen sixty-five. Drop ceilings are probably early seventies. Early seventies. Okay, mm. chic. Anyway, so not chic. only did I get ah! that's my favorite word. Not only that's, that's my favorite word. word. Not only did I get an answer to my question, I got the original like artifact of you. I mean, I love this. We're on to our final questions. Oh, okay, here we go. Taboo. First one is: If you could do an art heist, and you're obviously a collector of many things, if you could have any work of art. Anywhere in the world, for yourself, what would it be and why? Well, my first thought is the Mona Lisa, because that was already stolen once, but they had to give it back. And I don't really like it. It's supposed to be uh, Leonardo's self-portrait and drag. But I don't really like it. It's too popular. <laughs> Who said that? I've never heard that. you never heard that? No. They actually did a scientific thing. It's his exact proportions. He did it in drag, and no one was supposed to see it. Now they made up this person. Oh, she's the Countess de Malora of Congonja, or whatever the fuck. Anyway. I am obsessed Dean... with that. Okay, you should, you should Google that. Dean Johnson. You know who that is? No. He was a rock and roll fag bar king, drag, bald-headed, and he wrote a song, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa is a drag queen. It's incredible. Anyway, but the painting I would pick, because my first inspirational artist who really made a career out of being an artist, and she was a woman, an old woman. Her name was Alice Neal. Yes. She did a show at the ICA. Later, I did that show. Did you ever Boston meet Alice School. Neal? Yes, she was at the opening, and I met her. <gasps> I was like, oh, my God. I know what I'm going to do when I grow up. And I do. <laughs> no, I would love to own an Alice Neal. I have, Maybe one day you I will. have Henry Geldzeller's personal... Uh, uh, Who was a critic. Yes. Yeah. I have his personal catalog that he signed from a rare Alice Neal show wow. that had a rare painting of an Armenian that she did. Anyway, but I would steal the portrait of Jackie Curtis in drag with Rita Red. Because Rita Red was one of my dearest, loving... I'd want to call my boyfriend, but we didn't have sex because we were... That would be Kai Kai. That would be like we were having incest. But he was a love, one of the loves of my great loves of my life. She, he did a portrait by her. Yeah, you know that picture, that painting. I don't. I'm going to look have to look it up, it and we'll share it with everyone on Instagram. Beautiful. Yeah. The other question. Richie Red. R I T T A. He had red hair, and she named him that. His real name was Richie Zolo, but he she drag queened him because Rita Hayworth had the red hair. The other question we ask every guest is, "What is your favorite color?" Orange. And or what? how about this? Green. Make it rain. <laughs> so someone back Connor says, "Oh, no one buys green paintings." Bullshit. I just told you about the uh, swimming pool at the Chateau Marmont, and I do plants. Nature, it's natural. Green. I sell them. And why green and why orange? Because orange is my favorite color too. I, I think know, it's, it's rare. It's beautiful. I love it. I used to have a Stephen Sprouse. Remember him? Gorgeous sequin dress. I gave it to someone. They sold it on eBay. What Man, in orange? They should have given it back. In orange or green. Orange. Orange. Mm. Yeah, orange. Orange sequins. How would you feel about people, like you're saying, they put it on eBay, when when your works, I think they might have so far, go into auctions. Is that something you have to start talking about with galleries? Well, years ago, not only did Terry McGurr sit there, Johnny Versace sat here. Johnny Versace, he came, he buys art, he gets inspired by young artists, and then does a collection. At At that point, the whole room was day glow green. When you know his next collection? It's all day glow green. But anyway, he came in. He goes, oh, let me show me your paintings. And when we showed Terry McGlair, he was like, mm, let's go. 
But when we showed you uh, uh, Johnny Versace, he's like, woo, where do my girlfriends hear about this? I'll take that one and that one and those two and that one and that one over there. And I'm like, I didn't know who he was, but this is before Showgirls. Remember there was that joke? Versace. Uh, Versace. Because yeah. no one knew how to say it. This was before that, before he died. He came all the way up those 60, 80 flights of stairs in the middle of the summer, draped in a wool coat with big gold buttons with bodyguards and boyfriends. And I was like, whoop, 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 whoop. Andrew Cunanan was not one of them. And he bought all this stuff and sat there. What are we talking about him? Because you're talking about it going to auction. Oh, and then he went home. And before I could even gag over that, he goes, come to my store on Madison Avenue and pick up the check tomorrow. Oh, I couldn't wait to go to sleep. So of course I can go to sleep. But before I could go to sleep, the phone rings and they're saying, his best friend, I thought he was gay. What do you mean he has girlfriends? No, his girlfriend, Elton John, wants to come over and do the same thing. He found out he bought seven. He wants at least 14. They're very competitive. I'm like, ah, 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 ah. No, I love Elton John. Yeah. Talk about the Beatles. They were usurped by Elton John because Elton John was gay and melancholy and wore drag and woo, 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 woo. And then I get the call first thing in the morning, 6 a.m., Elton can't come. He has to do, a, uh, he has to do a, a sound check with Billy Joel and Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium. I was like, fuck. But if you get everything together, put him in a van and get up to the St. Regis in the presidential suite and show him before he end, finishes breakfast, maybe he'll buy something. And he loves to shop because he had just gotten clean and sober. He, has, he had just come back from having a slump of no hits. And he had just done the Lion King soundtrack, which, have you feel the love tonight? Went to number one. He had money. When he has money, he shops. <laughs> now it's Gucci. Now it's only photography. He has the largest photography collection in the world. So did you go and meet him? Yes. Wow. Did he buy anything? Oh, at least 14. Wow. Yes. And my friend who helped me carry him says, can we get tickets to your concert? And I'm like, shh, he's giving me enough money. Robert. And he goes, oh, sure. We go to the concert, met live. And in the middle of the set, he goes, before I sing this next song, I just want to tell you, today, this morning, before I did my sound check, I met the most incredible artist named Taboo, <gasps> and I bought all these beautiful paintings, and I want to dedicate this next song to him, no. and it's called Levon. He starts singing, we're like, oh. Wow. And I told my friend Matt, our friend Matt. Matt Connors. Oh, Matt Schuster. Matt Schuster. From Karma. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of Matt's. Anyway. He runs the Karma bookshop. Yes. Yes. And he knows his ephemera. Yes, he I does. He's, story, the, he's the king of ephemera. And he found it on YouTube. No way. Everything was recorded. I guess it so was... it's on YouTube. Okay, yeah. great. Him, two different ones, but one is really clear. You can hear him say taboo. Great. Wow. Love yeah. this. But, so the auction then. So when he switched to photography, to photography yes. I think he dumped a lot of his paintings. And one of my taboos came up on auction. And Elizabeth Clay pointed it out to me. Oh, wait. Hello, I got to call you back. That okay. was Jimmy Paulette. Yeah, do you know Jimmy Paulette? Well, from the Nan Golden photographs. Oh, yes! So, no, it's all about me. Shut up, it's about me. You had your time. Okay. Uh, oh, yes. So this painting goes up on auction, but it's in English money, so I don't know what it was. And then Elizabeth, right Elizabeth Clay did what? It Pounds. was like nine. No, 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 this is out in auction. Elton John. No, I know, but he said that Elizabeth Clay looked at the auction or something. Somehow she finds it. She's more, oh. I'm an artist, but I don't know the art world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, she knows it all. She knows how to social climb and know all the galleries, know who's big and who's going where, and she goes checks what the fuck. I don't know any of that shit. I'm just lucky someone paid So she me spotted money. it in a British auction, and then it sold. She yeah, didn't buy some it. Some British pounds. Okay. Like, Look at this. Wow. Well, how do you feel about it? And that? of course, they spelled my name wrong. They said Stephen with a with V. A v. Yeah. Tashkin with a T. Or maybe even Taboo with a T B U. I don't know. <laughs> fuck. 
This is before I had Sam Go Gordon making sure everything was the punctuation, get it right. This is before, I, you know, respect. No respect. These are your two galleries then. So Karma and Gordon Roberts Show are yes. your two galleries. And you're obviously very proud to be with them. Are you looking potentially to get a gallery in London? Are you potentially Well, looking... these days, everyone's global. They're already in global. I just was in London and sold two paintings in London. Now, I might be an Anglophile, but English people are taboo files. And when this hits the stands, it could even be bigger. Does anyone listen to this thing? Yeah, like 7 million uh, downloads. Woo! So Any collectors with a lot of money? Yeah, 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 lots yeah. of Deep them. pockets. They, all, they all follow everything we do. Um, Han. Have you ever received, <laughs> what's the best advice you've ever received when it comes to your work? I don't know. I had a great thing. There's a new documentary on Mr. Chow, who's a painter, a yep. billionaire. Painter? Wasn't well, he a restaurateur? No, but he's a restaurateur. Well, he's no, become a he's massive painter. He's a painter. Like, what's oh. her name? Is a woman and got no credit. He was Chinese. Back in the day, there used to be signs at all the gay bars. No fats, no femmes, no Asians. So Asians, never mind that. Well, you used to see signs like that in the bars. Oh, yeah. God, that's no women behind the back. Yeah, it was real. Anyway, not today, how, girl. How was that allowed at the time? How, Everything was allowed because you weren't allowed to go in there unless you were gay guys fucking people in a, in a harness. Wow. We don't want women in there. My heart on goes down. So bad. Not necessarily. Do you have women watching around while you're having sex with guys? No, no. Oh, no. I'm just assuming you have sex with guys. The assumptions are correct. So, <laughs> anyway. The best yeah. advice, yes. Okay, so the only Asian back then was Yoko Ono. The only reason she got in there because she was married to John Lennon. And only recently, the only other one who, believe it or not, she checks her gallery and says, Do I say, Am I selling more than Yoko? Her name is Yakuma Samao. I don't know. She's a crazy lady with the polka dots. She might be crazy, but she calls her gallery to make sure she's making more than Yoko Ono. Yayo Kasama. But what is the best um, advice you've What is ever the best received? advice, though? Well, in this Michael, Michael Cho is his name. Yeah. He said Andy Warhol gave him the advice. Two words. So what? <laughs> and how do you translate that into your practice? Oh, they think you're a drag queen and you couldn't make it. And, oh, you think you're all that. So what? Like, I don't give a fuck what other people think. That's how I want to be loved. But if there's, it's none of my business what other people think. You know, uh, I love it when people love me. A lot of people love me. Very few people hate me. Only the people who have actually met me hate me. That's just a joke. <laughs> That's out of Cabaret. Well, so we, what? So what? That was well, the we, song we just saw. We love Cabaret? They said it in Cabaret? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the song. What? You know, the, um, the elderly couple when they fall in love She's and they've the got a pineapple. Oh, you mean in the original? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. cut it out of the other one. She sings it and goes, so, so what? what? It's a song. Oh! Uh, the yeah. sun will set. Da, 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 oh, I gotta learn it. I gotta learn it. So what? You got. Oh, from Kendra and Ebb? Yes. So what? Yeah, we just saw it. And maybe Andy got it from Liza. But Liza wouldn't have known it because they cut it out of the movie. They cut a lot of the songs out. You should you should go to London now and see it. It's amazing. I was in London. A pop star called Self-Esteem. And she's playing. She's playing the MC. And she's playing Sally Bowles. And this morning I texted her a photo of a painting you made of Sally Bowles and said, this is an artist I'm interviewing this morning called Taboo. Check him out because you will that's the one that's it. already sold. It's in the Whitney. That's the paper one that's in a frame that they sold. It's the beautiful, Whitney. that painting. Yeah, anyway. But it's she me loved it. She actually wrote it. As back. Pat Hearn, as Sally Balls. Mm. Dreaming. Well, one thing I loved about coming here today was having to walk up all the flights of stairs because there's, there's, there's no lift here. There's no elevator. That must keep you healthy. That's like a good, a good thing, actually. Well, back in the day, the cheapskates landlords, there was a law. If the building's more than six flights, it's mandatory elevator. So they all stopped at six flights. <laughs> 
And your, <laughs> your old neighbour was RuPaul, because in your kitchen you have a RuPaul oh, signed I mean, portrait. Well, when she moved to New York, she was punk rock new wave. But by that time, we had already transitioned to new romance and we're doing mi- mi- lipstick and hair, drag, you know? And he's like, you can make money doing this? He wasn't making money down in Atlanta doing punk rock. So he comes up and he even says it in his first book that was published by Disney. I saw Taboo and I came to New York. And I'm in a lot of her videos, a lot of her shows. I was on the very first episode in the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Nobody wow. watches that. It was too many filters. And she would show pictures of the queens that inspired her, that would maybe inspire the young kids. I love RuPaul. She's so successful. She 45 antique cars. But you know what? So are you. You are so successful. I don't have enough for 45 minutes. <laughs> You're getting there. You're going to get there. Them. You're going to yeah. get there. You're going to be living in Paris in no time. <laughs> I know. Well, I was just living there for a week. Chic. So chic. And I met this guy. He said, oh, yeah. So they still have beautiful pied-à-terres that were meant and built for artists around the turn of the century that have little studios with, with they have like a shelf we can put your paintings up and everything. Ooh. And they said it's cheaper than New York City. But not if you have a golden cage like me. So you're not going to find a place like that for $1,000 in, in mm-hmm, Paris. Mm-hmm. Well, this well, has been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so you're much. You're just the gift that keeps giving. We love you so much. Thank you so much. And when I said to you, when we met you the other night, I'd never met you before, and I said to you, I love you. We actually genuinely love you, uh-huh. like in our hearts. Thank you and so I've much. I've never met you before. For everyone who needs to follow you on Instagram, what's your Instagram? Taboo NYC. T-A-B-B-O-O-N-Y-C. So we're going to take some pictures now, if we can, for the social media. And we'll be back very soon. Let's say goodbye. Toodle. Are you in France? Yes. Yeah. Abianto. That means goodbye, but we'll oh, meet again. Abianto. See you soon. Abianto. Bye, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.